Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Earnestness Bonanza starts now. What's up, idiots? Um, no. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Okay, hold on. Earnestness Bonanza starts now. Hi, dear listeners. Hello, listeners. It is me, Sam. And it's me, George. The hosts of the normally <laughs> um, weird, absurd, sort of sometimes biting um, mm. podcast known as Stradiolab. Um and you know, if you if you've listened to us, you know how we can get. We can be a little sarcastic, a little ironic. Sometimes we'll lie about stuff. You know, dare I say, snarky. Uh oh! And now we said it. Um, and this episode uh, is the earnestness bonanza. Uh, the 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 reason, well, pride, I guess. Pride. Um, and we're we're answering your questions, um, and we're going to be earnest. And and for any new listeners, we did this. Once before, we had a holiday earnestness bonanza in December of 2020, where we um, solicited questions from our listeners, and then we answered them earnestly on the pod, and we didn't necessarily have plans to do it again, but we had such... Why are you laughing? No, because it's funny. I don't know. Because oh. you're, it's making me laugh because it's saying like we didn't necessarily have plans to do it again. Okay, I'm Sounds being too like- earnest. No, I no. I just think it sounds it sounds like you're like I don't want to do it. No, but. no. I just I don't think we knew it would be a recurring thing because we didn't know that how many people would send. I, it's like a good thing. Like we didn't know how many people would send in questions. We didn't. I think it's like it's very 
this one's for the real ones type This one's thing. for the real ones. I mean, I'll give you a behind the scenes. Like, I do think often the guest episodes get, like, passed around more. And then these the earnestness bonanzas are for for people who really... Um, who really are longtime listeners and fans. The Sam and George heads. Yes, the Sam and George heads. Not the people who just saw it because someone reposted it. Sure. Or the Call people them out. who, you know, were, were maybe searching for a different favorite comedian of theirs and found oh, their episode on this podcast. That's happened. Um, yeah, I mean, it's happened probably more than once. And if we're talking about the past, I do want to say that, you know, when we did this in December, I was kind of like, well, that I can't tell if that was good or if it sucked. And I feel like we were both very self-conscious. Mm-hmm. But then we actually both had people in our lives be like, no, that was fun. And I liked that. And I was like, but aren't don't you want us to be psychopaths? And they're like, not always. Yeah. So I found that to be kind of nice. People actually crave for us to not do what we do in our normal episodes. <laughs> I know. It's very it's interesting. Kind of, it's kind of crazy because it's like, well, that's what we do. I know. I know. It's interesting. Some of the people closest to us, in fact, have told us, wow, I really like the Ernest's Bonanza so much. More than, More than the normal episodes. Yeah, it's like, okay, we get it. Just say what you want to say. Right. Just say it to my fucking face. I mean, Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, um, it, yeah. And, uh, but we like doing it and we don't, and it's like a nice, I think it's kind of nice that this is our break. Like, it's, you know, it's a moment to reflect. It's a moment to take stock of the mm. past six months and even the past year and a half the, that we've been doing this podcast. Um, and we should probably say that this time there's also another element to this, which is that we are taking a short hiatus after this earnestness bonanza. We are, we wanted this, well, we wanted the Matt and Bowen episode, which I think people enjoyed. And this one, which will be like, you know, just us to be our final two episodes and go out with a bang. And we're going to take just a couple of, um, a couple of months off for the summer off for the summer (laughs) and then we're going to come back in the fall and it will be a new season there will be different surprises i think we'll have some time don't promise anything you can't we're not gonna i just i just mean we'll have some time you know listen i'm to to be perfectly honest you know Uh it's very difficult uh producing our own podcast during a pandemic we haven't been inside a studio since like not even March, like February was all the ones we pre-recorded before we started releasing them. And I think we have made efforts during during this whole time as we're producing it ourselves to expand it in different ways. And we've been, let's say, in talks with corporations <laughs> and whatever else. But like it's hard to do it all at once. And I think having a few months off to kind of like take a step back and and um, and think about it more big picture will be good for us. But but the, the only reason I'm mentioning it is because this will be a nice kind of button to our the first era of Strader Lab, and then the second era will begin in September. Yeah. And in that vein, um, earnestness, mm-hmm. I you know, taking a break, I want to reiterate, um, thank you all for listening. We very much appreciate it. This has been um, one of the joys of uh, the this time that has sucked for everyone and this has been like for me personally it's been really fun to laugh with friends and i feel like i would have gone much more crazy without this pod 
It's and been, yeah, yeah, it's oh, sorry, go ahead. I, no, no, I and it's also just like I feel like we've reached a lot more people than we thought we would, and even more than like it's crazy that doing a podcast is like much more you reach more people than like doing stand up for seven years. Like, right, <laughs> this is like <laughs> we like actually reached people, and it's fun and nice. Yeah, it's um, so many, so much of our lives pre pandemic was like performing for people who had of course never not that not that i'm like shocked that people hadn't heard of us but it's just you know you perform in front of people who don't know who you are or what your sense of humor is or whatever and of course part of the fun of stand-up comedy is that you have to win them over every time and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's probably a good and healthy thing but um well i don't know about healthy but i think it's like <laughs> what what the art form no, is. no 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 stand-ups are famously healthy yeah but I do think that, um, I mean, sorry to use a cliche, but building a community has mm-hmm. been really nice. And I think, um, I mean, especially now that we are, we're kind of going through questions and seeing which ones we had time to answer, it just reminded me, like, we, we see all of your emails and all of your DMs and all of your tweets. And it's like... I don't know. Even when I just reply, LOL, that still mean that that still could have like really brightened my day in a significant way. Um, Even if I don't happen to be online that much that day or don't or don't respond more. um, I don't know, in in a bigger way. So I so it really like it just makes us very happy. And we're like and it's like very cool that there are people who um share our sense of humor and share our uh not just cultural references but like (laughs) i don't know (laughs) theoretical references (laughs) and see the world in a similar way as we do wow well i think we pretty much nailed it yeah um before we get in we were sort of talk do you want to talk about like what were we talking about before or or is that boring no i mean i think we have to accept that <laughs> this is for all the boring heads. <laughs> boring hive rise up. Boring this hive is your rise time. the F up. <laughs> I, I think I just want to address the fact that I'm aware that I'm doing like radio voice and it is only because that's the only way I can keep myself. Like I just for, I have been very, very tired and drained recently for various reasons. And like if I don't keep myself awake by doing like fake professional voice then i will simply stop making sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i'm not offended by your radio voice good um so we were kind of talking about alongside the break we're both Mm -hmm. very exhausted um because you know many listeners will know this was actually supposed to be the best time of our lives and while i still think it's possible Mm -hmm. um randomly um sort of a be careful what you wish for situation in um our asking for ways to make money we both have um acquired sort of jobs um yeah and we don't talk about our like professional lives outside the podcast a lot and i think we should probably keep it that way for the future but in in the spirit of the earnestness bonanza yes. i mean we've both had like on and off various types of writing jobs throughout this whole thing and some of them have been better than others um but it has been it's just a very this whole year for everyone has been a very frustrating time and the fact that every job we've had has only been on zoom the fact that you know it's it's been i mean i don't want to call out any specific former employer of mine but i think (laughs) unfortunately both the entertainment and the media industries 
because there are fewer jobs and everyone's vying for the same jobs, like are actually able to get away with more than you would think in terms of working conditions and things like that. And I think we're both very grateful that we've had various different opportunities, but it is, you know, a constant hustle, I would say. Um, and it also affects your brain and your like positive outlook on life. What? You're laughing. Uh, no, I'm, sorry. I'm right. No, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. Um, and this isn't a critique on your radio voice. Um, no, I'm doing, I'm like being so annoying. <laughs> no, I think it's important and we, it's a, it's a tough balance, the earnestness yeah. bonanza. Okay. Because we, and this, again, I, I want you to be as earnest as possible, Uh-oh. but I also think there's a, <laughs> oh God, I can't believe this. No, this I just is humiliating. That, no, I think there's a way to get to like, um, to not, to you can be earnest without stripping yourself of your own joy, joy and your own, you know. <laughs> okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I'm going to, okay. Earn. Okay. I'm like, I'm getting myself more ramped up. Earnestness Bonanza starts now. And, yes. And just to be clear, I just, and that, that, that was actually a good intervention. And I just want to say like, that made it sound like I was so depressed and so like drained of any energy. And I promise that's not what, what I'm saying. It's more just like, it's more just like, <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is like, we both have such stupid and difficult goals that we are <laughs> attempting to accomplish. And like, it is difficult to both live <laughs> with both two separate truths. One, that something is difficult and two, that it's like inherently silly and fun and funny. And like, I do think that sometimes at my worst, I just like succumb to the former of those things and like forget to just be grateful for the fact that like in some capacity, both you and I, over the past year have been paid to write comedy or jokes or perform comedy or jokes. And and so, I, you know, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it's just like, basically what you were trying to say, and I think what I was trying to say is just that we are a little tired, <laughs> right? Yeah, a little tired and a little stressed. And because we're also both beginning something new. And we're beginning things, yes. And so we're like a little bit panicking because we don't know what it's actually going right. to look like. And on my end, I just want to say, I think, are you, can you talk about what you're doing? It's not, hasn't been announced yet. I, I don't think, I don't know if I am. I, okay. and I hate, cause we've literally made fun of people that are like, I can't talk about it right now, right. but I don't think I'm allowed to, Okay. but I don't, I don't know. But well, so it is some shouldn't. form of screenwriting, let's say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then on my end, I think, I mean, I, I basically just started this week a full-time job um, as an editor at gawker which is relaunching as a website for the first time in five years or five or six years even um and that has i mean it has been like such a nice it's you know i was a huge gawker reader back in the day and this you know, i, I you was were, as well yeah. and sam was as well and if you told me at the age of like 23 24 that i would have this opportunity i'd be like you know over the moon and i and i currently am as well but i i like there is this like anxiety about like what does it mean that i am not doing um the exact like you know that i'm that i'm not doing full-time comedy let's say yeah however what's great about it and why i'm very excited to be doing it and um and why i'm very grateful to all my coworkers, some of whom might be listening is Uh that it is like essentially what i like about it is that it really it does feel like a version of a comedy writer's room because they want the website to be very funny. And so everyone's like, 
pitching ideas and I'm, you know, we're all editing them and whatever else. And, and so it's like, it is simultaneously very exciting, but it is always scary to start a new thing. Yeah. And I think, I think you're going to absolutely crush it. Well, and you. I think, you know, whenever you want to embrace the more comedy side, honey, it's not going anywhere. It's not. <laughs> but it is it is it is it is one of those things where like i'm currently in my first week and i'm like i genuinely i like am enjoying it so much and i really like all my coworkers. and then i'm also very aware of the fact that like i don't have the energy to like do stand-up at night like i could not go yeah. back to i mean I, I will keep doing it but i cannot go back to having multiple shows a night at this stage in my yeah like, like it with this schedule it simply is not a possibility and so it's just going to be like a process and i'll figure it out <laughs> Give it a couple months. You'll figure it yeah, out. I'll figure You'll it figure out. out how you can do it all. Should we get into the questions? I think we should get into it. And and, and as we get into it, I'm gonna be better. <laughs> no, you're doing fine. I I don't want to make you self conscious by having no. Um, but I understand. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, just for context, it is seven p.m. and it is my third full day of work, and I just I truly feel like brain dead from from the day. That's that's. That's why I'm like this. I do want to say, lastly, not to do this again, which we did in the first Earnestness Bonanza, but I do want to reiterate, I'm very grateful that I'm doing this with you. And I actually think I feel like even better about all of it than I did during the last Earnestness Bonanza. And I think, I think you have become the one person that I know I can, that I know will like see eye to eye with me on most things even if they're not directly related to our world. <laughs> yes, I have to agree. I'm very grateful to do this podcast with you. I think, you know, peek behind the curtain in the last six months, we've had to deal with some disagreements and sure. uh, so a lot of planning and sort of thinking further ahead. Mm -hmm. And it's been, there's been difficult moments, but it was, we, I feel like communicate great together in both the comedic sense and in the serious sense. And I that agree. feels really good. And every time, even when I feel like an inkling of dissatisfaction about something, I feel like you sense it and address it without me having to say anything and hopefully vice versa. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah. yeah, I do think you're right that it has like, there's an inevitable, inevitable transition as you try to grow something from it just being like a fun side project to being like, okay, how do we make this more sustainable? How do we like make this... Um, more interesting or 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 so that it like stays true to itself but grows in some way and 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 whatnot and so it's you know every day and every week there are many different decisions that need to be made and i do think it it helps a lot that we see eye to eye on all of them. it's it's true yeah well with that said let's get into let's, it let's get into it bring the joan <laughs> didion alarm come on um Okay, I'll start. Okay, yeah, you start. And we're basically, like, I have no idea how this is going to be edited. I mean, I actually, Future Me does, because I'm going to be editing it. But <laughs> currently, I don't, you know, I, we have both chosen different questions. And also, we will edit it down if our answers to certain ones are not interesting. So it truly has nothing to do with the quality of your question, whether it gets read or not. It has to do with how interesting our answer is, which we will determine. Yeah. And honestly, I bet you some uninteresting interesting answers will also make it in. So don't yeah. be like, wow, that was a pretty uninteresting answer and my question didn't make it in. Like some things off. 
Yeah. I think it's key to remember that, you know, we are the narcissists yes. uh, and it's all about us and that we, it's, it's what we feel about us and all your questions are beautiful. It's true. I mean, Even this the is the ones. same way we feel about our guests. It's like, we <laughs> love all our guests, but then when someone, we, I forget that like <laughs> the focal point of each episode is the guest, not us. <laughs> it's so hard. To and it's like, that. I will say something stupid and then I'll be like, wow, that was a terrible episode. And it's like, well, actually, you know, insert person here was literally killing it the entire time. And you just accidentally yeah. mispronounced a word. Yeah. I That depresses me so much when that happens. Um, when I can't think big picture enough. Yeah. And I'm like, whatever. But that's not... That's not the question. That's not the, that's not the question. And we're actually wait. Sorry, I'm trying to think if I have anything, any final thing to say. <laughs> I'm like, is there anything else? And just for context, we are recording this before the live show. So if we mention the live show, it is something that will happen in the future. Uh, yeah, and yeah, this is very again. This is that time thing. It's that time thing. All right. Okay. Let's jump in. It's it's all you. First question. This is from John, yes. who says, um, do y'all participate in gay group chats? And if so, could each of you describe the dynamic of the group chats in three words or less? Mm-hmm. Do you want to take this one? I mean, I can so, add two. So we are both in, together we are in two That's gay right. chats. Um, and one gay chat I would describe as... Um, <laughs> You put this question in here, and you know that every time someone talks about the chat in a podcast, someone gets angry. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, well, okay. Well, then, can we talk about the... Okay, well... No, the, the first were- one is... is uh, Both of them are with other gay comedians. The first one is larger. I think it's probably like seven people, and it's like more... But three words or less. What? But they said three words or less. We have to hit them with like three descriptors. Oh, we do? Oh, could each of you describe the dynamic of the group chat in three words or less? Oh, then, then, then that's perfect. Okay, that's actually so perfect. Let's. Okay, first we are in one that's big and one that's small, and then each okay. of us, I'm sure, are in other ones. But I don't. No one cares. <laughs> okay, so for the big one, three words or less. You go first. Um, Hollywood. Yes. Um. Okay, I'll go. Uh, like like bits. Okay. And I'll okay okay Hollywood bits and I think I have the third one okay parties parties okay and then the second one <laughs> we're in it's us and one other person should we say who it is sure it's Max Witter and for that one I'll go first toxic yeah I'll go second whole and I'll go third um uh just like what I'm about to say but with dashes between each of the words. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see that. <laughs> that counts as one word. Okay, that's perfect. Um, the next question. Ooh, this is a this is a nice one for you. I, I'll, I'll read it, but it's for you. Sam, okay. I was wondering how your relationship with Chris Gethard has impacted your life. I have been a TCGS Geth head for almost 10 years and was introduced to you through Chris Gethard Presents. Why don't you take that and then we'll see if we have time for the second part. Okay. Um, uh, Chris Gethard has impacted my life um, quite a bit. He, like, is one of the bigger comedians who, like, cared about um, younger, the younger scene, Mm -hmm. which was um, very nice and very cool to see. Um, (laughs) 
And, you know, he would actually be a great person to have on some sort of earnesty, earnestness yes, bonanza. True. Ernest because, King. Or Ernest King, Ernest Legend. Because there's also, and I think he would like to hear this juice, uh, he, like... Because he cared about the younger comedians, he also created like a weird like he didn't even know he was creating like a power vacuum. Like people were like 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 desperate for his attention. Like right. I remember being so like jealous of other people when like Chris Gethard would talk to them and not me. Yes, which is I like, certainly feel that way. So horrific to think about now and like very obviously it's like that's the mood of like a twenty something stand up comedian who's yeah. done it for two years. Um, yeah, it's interesting how when even when someone tries to just like lift up people from the outside, it seems like they're being clicky. <laughs> and in I fact, know. Chris Gethard had no reason to like support unknown young comics. And he did it because he was kind. Yeah. And I also think it was like a learning process for him, I assume. But I feel like it, especially with like Chris Gethard presents at the which was his like public access thing re- most recently before the pandemic where he would have like different people come on and put on a different full show every time. Like I did one with Max Wittert called lawyers mm-hmm. at law. Um, and like I did one with like Joe Rumrill and Rachel Pegram did one that I was part of and Mary Houlihan did one. And it was like, that was a really fun way to like switch it up. And I feel like that like nailed the, the Gethard ethos of like weirdos doing whatever and like kind of having no rules, but he's been very helpful and supportive and sweet man. Yeah. I mean, I think we've both had people like that. I've, I felt, I mean, when I was like, I guess, starting out, I was in um, Boston. And for me, that was various people there that um, I, there was a club called the Comedy Studio that was like, really, really took a chance on me when I was like a few months in and was like very, uh, just very positive. And then um my friends Zach Armantrout and Pamela Ross and friend of the pod Julia Clare also like gave me a co-hosting spot on their show that was like a huge deal for me because it allowed me to host a show weekly when I was truly only a few months in and then I got to like write way more material than I normally would have but in terms of New York people um someone who has been like incredibly supportive of me is Josh Gondelman and Mm. like when I was um doing packets and stuff like josh has on multiple occasions offered to like has read them or even giving me like detailed feedback and has suggested me for things um and truly like there was like no reason he needed to do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's crazy when people are nice yeah um should we very quickly do the second part sure i think we can try it okay um so and and we should say this is from rachel The second part is, I'm very interested in how the UCB adjacent community has impacted you both positively and negatively. Um, Let's just, let's do that. And you can go first and I'll go second. Okay. Um, I, when I first went to New York, it was like to do UCB. That was like, for for me, the highest form of comedy when I was 22. I was like, I've got to be on a UCB improv team. And then I very quickly um, disliked it. Well, not quickly. I did like a lot of classes and then I was like wait after like maybe two years I was like wait I gotta get out of here and started doing stand-up and then that was 
like that was immediate and I was like, this is a much better fit. So like UCB, I do think it was helpful to like think about comedy in that sort of academic sense. But I also was like so grateful to have the contrast with like stand up where you don't think about it in that way and you think about more just like is it getting a reaction what do you want to do don't how can you not follow the rules like what is what is your brand of this thing and that i clicked with much more but and and i i used to have a real like hate of ucb because i was like mm -hmm. fuck them that it's like a fucking camp for kids that like privileged ass and then right. i was like now that they're dead it's hard to still be mad at them and i just say whatever let let them let them be. Okay, I I think that was very well put. I, and I think honestly, I, I, many many people. <laughs> I was going to say many mature people like us, <laughs> but I think like I just Toxic. think it's a very natural thing to like first be really into something, then have a reactionary attitude towards it, and then kind of come out the other side and like be slightly more. Um, empathetic to people who may like it even though it's not for you i mean not to get too serious but truly that's like how i feel about um religion <laughs> like Whoa. i was like i don't know i was like just when i was like young i was like sh sure i mean i was not not right super religious but i was just like oh yeah sure god like I i'll pray and then like in high school i went through like an incredibly like ardent atheist phase where i was like obsessed with like bill maher and like watching george carlin specials about like being atheist or whatever and i literally like went to college and wanted to join like the atheist students union <laughs> and then it's like a year passed and i was like oh I, I, maybe it's not for me but like i who cares if someone wants to like celebrate a holiday or or like go to church i mean as long as they're yeah. not like psychopaths you know, not because they're not like psychopaths, but but I do feel like, and it's not a coincidence that I'm comparing UCB to a religion, perhaps. No, but, not at all. But I do think that's how I feel about UCB. I was never involved in it, but I was like very charmed by it at first and intimidated by it. Then I was like, wait, why is everyone stupid? And then I just was like, <laughs> yeah, I guess some people are good and some people are bad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shall we? Next, next question. Um, okay. This is from Vincent. Uh, since you both talk about your boyfriends on pod, I'd love to know what each of them would choose as their episode topic and if they'd like to set the record straight on anything you've said about them. So I have my answer for this because Matthew texted uh, okay. me back. And he had told me this a while ago, but then I forgot. So his straight topic would be Gchat. Mm, I love that. It's, a, really it's a good one. And yeah, Matthew famously uh, like, is one of the only people that still uses Gchat. <laughs> And like it's him and one other friend, and they and I'm like, this is inconvenient. Like, just yeah. text. <laughs> um, but he, I, I honestly find it very charming. It's like I'm trying to think of like an equivalent thing that's like slightly outdated that I use or that you use. But like, I mean, I'm still in like Facebook groups that like. Wow. Yeah, I'm in Facebook like a couple of Facebook groups that are like fun. Uh, so I don't like with like comedian friends and it's like this is a group of 10 and it's basically a group chat but it's just like yeah it's fun so he I also says update email vacation autoresponders wow which is also straight i guess email i mean i have He's to say email, email is straight yes it is one of the straighter forms of communication yeah um is there anything matthew would like to set the record straight on oh um oh that's a good question let's see well, while you think, I yeah, can... you you do Misha. So I, I Misha has talked about this, and I didn't ask him this explicitly, but 
I predict for him, if I can speak for him, his would be PDA on the train. <laughs> he like it's like he always points it out, and it is such a straight couple thing to be yes. like really touchy like on the train, and it's like. I mean, on the one hand, go off, but like, it's just why, why now? Why are you doing this? Um, yeah. And he gets, he had, <laughs> if he ever did stand up, he had a bit that he would do <laughs> that was like, this is, this is a straight couple on the train. And then he would just like make out with the air for a while. Oh my, No, he should make out with a non-consenting member of the audience. That would be <gasps> radical. That's radical. Um, in terms of things that Matthew wants me to set straight, I, I can't think of anything, but I will say that like, I am horrified to think that essentially I have documented the big, my relationship in various wow. podcasts since like its inception. Like that is crazy. It's just like, I don't even want to know what I said about Like I was <laughs> recently thinking that like, you know, when we first started this, when we recorded like our first, first episodes, truly I had known him for two months. Wow. Yeah. And like, I think I was like, I probably, I would imagine switched probably from calling him like a guy to calling him like a guy I'm dating to calling him like my boyfriend, but not wanting to use his name. Like, I, I think so. I don't even I don't like and also, <laughs> frankly, your like relationship to someone or like to, to the relationship you have with like just who you think someone is changes and like who knows how I felt about him like month two versus how I feel about him now. So I don't I have not ever re-listened to an old episode. I'll say that. And I don't intend to. <laughs> I love that. You should you should play um play the first episode at your wedding. I mean truly. Actually, <laughs> I mean I don't want to now tell people to go listen to this, but if there's anything I'll play at my wedding, it is my episode of Seek Treatment where I went literally after my first date with Matthew. And wow. That is I was so about funny. To, I was about to actually blame Pat and Catherine for like forcing me to talk about it but that's so false. Like I went in being like <laughs> like very ready to spill the beans. <laughs> Wow. Right, next question. This may already have been answered because of that time thing, but I need to know if George <laughs> ever got his chicken. I'm assuming that George has cooked said chicken by now. So, George, how was the chicken? I love Okay, this and there is a follow-up question that says, I don't want Sam to feel excluded. So, Sam, have you had any chicken recently? If so, how was it? Um, and, in fact, this is from Shannon, and they say, a vegetarian ally who doesn't get chicken but hopes for the best on your respective chicken journeys. That is how they signed it. So, so you know, we love that. <laughs> I'll say this about my chicken. It did arrive right after we start <laughs> recording with Josh. And I'll say the second thing about my chicken. It was so delicious. Wow. It was like one of the best meals I've ever made. And and I'll say this because it's an earnestness bonanza. You bet your little ass I used an Allison Roman recipe. Woo! And you bet your little ass it was one. It was the video. It was one of Allison Roman's videos where she makes a whole roast chicken with leeks and then makes a little salsa verde with the green part of the leeks. And I did it literally exactly like she said, except for rather than making a, an aioli from scratch, I basically just like mixed mayo with lemon and garlic. Um, but it was truly so good. But I'll say this. You know what you need to do? At what? the very end, you have to turn the heat all the way up to make the skin crispier. Mm. She actually had a part of the video where she was like, I don't care if the skin is crispy. And I was like, and that's where you lose me, big A. Yeah. <laughs> well, Allison Roman's back. Sam, have um, you had chicken recently? I had um, leftover Thai food today for lunch Whoa. that had chicken in it. So and you know what? I had Thai food last night that had chicken in it. So there you go. Our chicken journeys are never ending. All right. Next question. 
oh, and this one is juicy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily about being earnest, but it's. Yeah. I think this debate needs to be had, and so I think this is a great yeah. question. And let's. I keep forgetting. Say, say like the first name first. Okay, this is Adam. Um, and they say, what are your thoughts on Orville Peck, if any? I personally really enjoyed his first album and some of his singles and appreciate that he's at least trying to do something different with country music. But when I see people talk about him on Twitter, it's basically all like, this is cringe and bad. Do you agree? I can definitely see what they would be, wh- why that would be said about the Born This Way cover, but I would argue that's more Gaga's fault than his. Mm. At any rate, love the pod. Um, sweet. Okay. Um, okay. You start. With your I I don't so I have listened to his album and especially the whatever the most famous song is I, I assume it was like the lead single but I really like what I've heard and I also really like I think his aesthetic is like really fun and I don't like my relationship to country music is pretty much like I like the older women of country like I like Dolly and Oh my god, what is happening? <laughs> There's like dirt on my oh camera. No. Sorry. Keep going. Anyway, I don't but so I can't I can't speak to like his place in country music. I I it's like not my world. I even though I love some old country, specifically the women, like I said, but otherwise in terms of new stuff, I truly only know like Casey Musgraves. Um and but yeah, I like him. I haven't heard the Born This Way cover. I like him and I also think he's very hot. I just wanna uh, Yeah say. I think I think I love that first album. I think he's great. I also love the look. I think it's all very fun. I also like, I don't have much familiarity with country music. And I think a lot of uh, gay men don't. uh, Wow, I love that we started this by saying it's so juicy. And we're both like, he's fine. Well, okay. But I think the backlash towards him is interesting. And Mm -hmm. I think it is... I don't know what it is. Like, people are like, well, he used to do theater. So he sucks. Like, he's not authentic. And it's like, bitch, no, no. one's authentic. Like, they, he's a fucking musician. It's all branding. And, like, like he if he just likes this kind of music and wants to, like, play this yeah. character, basically, for, like, his musician thing, then that's fine. It doesn't delegitimize him. That's, like, are we going to really do this after, like, the Lana Del Rey thing of 10 years ago or whatever? Right. I'm also just confused how this is different than being a theater kid. Like, he literally invented a character and is playing the character. Like... Yeah. What do you expect? Like, it's like a character with a full look and it's super gay. Like, it does not surprise me that he has a background as being a music, you know, it's what is like musical theater kid. Yeah. It's it also there's like something about it. OK, this is a leap, but I'm going to take it. <laughs> there's something about it that's like a different form of internalized homophobia where they like kind of liked him because he was like, well, that's, he's not like other gay guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they found out that he does theater or did theater. And they're like, um, actually he is just like other gay guys. Yeah. And now I don't like him anymore. And it's like, I mean, yeah, the level of <laughs> like it, it, none of this matters, but I mean, actually it does matter because we're both trying to be gay people and in, in, in the entertainment industry, but like, no gay like gay men ourselves included sometimes i have to admit like our instinct is to like not like other gay gay male artists totally totally and I, that's something that's not going to change ever ever <laughs> <laughs> that yeah that is that is just how i feel about that i also think the born this way cover is insanely funny in a way he just does it like in his style like yeah. and it's i think it's like so genius it's so stupid like and i agree that it's like not he did he did what he does it's like a stupid yeah he got the assignment 
Yeah. And to make fun of it is just like, sometimes the internet just turns on people in a way that is dumb. And, sure. And I also, uh, I just want to go on record as saying, I love adventurous covers. Like, you have yes. to put your own spin on things. Yes. It, I I think it's a damn smash. I, say I thought it off. was great. You know what I liked recently? I heard a little clip of this. Um, the the One of the sisters in that duo that Beyonce funds. Oh, uh, Chloe and Hallie? Chloe and Hallie. So, Chloe, I think... Um, did a cover of Nina Simone that people were mad about. But I thought it was oh. very fun. I love them. One of my favorite albums of last summer. Wow. Truly. It's, All right. It really takes me back. Next cue. This is from Allie. Total glamour girl here. Recently had a dream that a girl that was mean to me in middle school named Gianna was a guest on the podcast and you guys really <laughs> loved her. What do you think that means? First of all, I love... I mean, I love... Isn't it always so humiliating when you have dreams about, like, something as silly as a podcast? Like, whenever I have dreams about anything that has to do with comedy or, like, the internet or, like, I have had dreams about, like, meeting people I I know from the internet. It's just, you're like, oh, no, this is, like, this is something I don't even want in my conscious life. And now it's entering my (laughs) subconscious life. Even I've been noticing like when I have dreams that are like, say like a sex dream, but then Mm -hmm. like you like just kind of kiss and then like are like, no, we shouldn't go further. It's like, this is so stupid. Like It's so funny. That's your response to what I just said. (laughs) But you kind of get it. I mean, I get what you mean, but those are different things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally like, why am I having like dreams about things I don't like? And you're like, wait, why can't I seal the deal in my sex dreams? (laughs) Those are those are a perfect parallel. Yes, um, very very parallel. <laughs> very parallel. Wait, very. my new my the new slang is very parallel. I love that. Um, what do you, George? What do, do you we have, think that means? What, what do, do you think, think it means? Oh, fine. Okay. Um, I think it means. You know what I think it means. Hmm. I think. I think if we were always doing earnestness bonanzas, your dream would be about how you were a guest. But I think because we put up put on this act for our normal episodes, you feel there's more of a distance between you and us. So it makes more sense in your subconscious that your middle school bully would be on the podcast rather than you because you're like, oh, I could never be on that podcast. They are so weird. But I assure you, if you came on the podcast, we would hit it off famously. And I actually think this girl Gianna sounds like a real bitch. <laughs> I also think it's there's something about um, having to like see your bully succeed or not succeed. I don't think like being on our podcast is a form of success. No, but, very like, much the opposite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like having them be on something that you care about, yes. and then like not be able to comment or even like critique like you can't like be like hey stop mm-hmm. like so to see them like flow through the world is like annoying and yeah. i think um that you're annoyed that they're moving through the world still yeah and i mean not to be you know i don't i have to say i have had such insane dreams during this past year that i am starting to believe they mean something um i do wonder if it says something about like if you're at a transitional place in your life or you're thinking about your past, then that's why you're imagining someone that used to be mean to you. Um, either way, I hope you come out on the other side. And and um, and I assure you, if you came on the podcast, you would have a blast. <laughs> you got this, girly. You got this. Next question. Okay. 
Um, oh, I starred this one. Uh, I kind of liked it, but okay, okay. In in post, this is from Dahlia. In post COVID New York, is it more or less difficult to begin a career in stand up comedy? Okay, I kind of thought this was a fun question. Yeah, sure. Just because I do think there's something like I think it is different post pandemic, mm-hmm. but I think in a way that for like a newcomer is better almost because I think there's not as many like like dare I say chaos is a ladder and it's sort of like well no one has shows really like, right I think that's what it is is like you're essentially not walking into an existing scene you are coming here as everything is being rebuilt so you know i mean of course some people have higher profiles than other people or know the right people or are able to start shows more easily but i really think that like a lot of um momentum was cut and so now a lot of people are starting from scratch and i mean and also frankly i think a lot of people in our age group, or I hope, honestly, because this is how I feel, like, I'm having a little bit of, uh, I'm not trying to, like, enter head first and do multiple shows a night yet. Like, I just am not, I don't have the hunger that I did a couple of years ago. And so I, I think you're not, you're competing with various people like that. Like, I think... Some of the older people are tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's never a right time and there's never a wrong time. Pursuing uh, comedy is a fool's errand. Um, and so yeah. go off. And I think, I don't know, it. I, I don't really know what the answer to this question is, but I, I do think there's something so strange about just realizing how limiting stand-up comedy specifically is. And I, and I think yeah. that's not an, a good or bad thing. I think it's actually, in fact, good to like work on material in an enclosed environment with only a few people at a time. Like I think that's like good for developing a voice. But like it is difficult to convince yourself that you need to do that when so many things and te- so many technologies are at your disposal. Yeah. And yeah, I think... I guess, like, I feel, yeah, I think I was very into stand-up, obviously, before the pandemic. And I'm still, like, I'm excited for that moment when I, like, get back into it. And, like, in a real way where it's, Mm -hmm. like, performing multiple times a night or week or whatever. But I am less eager to get to that point at this time. Because it's just, even with it stopped, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like, a lot of career momentum continued and it was kind of like, Oh wait, I can kind of choose when I want to work on standup in a way that is different than what I thought. I thought I always had to be doing it. And yeah. And I will say, uh, well, now we're just talking about ourselves and not answering this. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, again, the narcissist stuff at the beginning, I do feel like that's, (laughs) they want that. Just to, to answer that, like, I think I used to be such a purist about stand-up. And I was actually even past the point where that was, like, a trendy way to be. Like, I I was... Even when I moved to New York and everyone around me was doing, like, 
I don't know, various different things. And they weren't only focusing about stand-up and they were doing like music and they were doing character. There was always a part of me that was like, this is all lesser. Like I'm <laughs> doing real comedy because I'm doing set-up punchline stand-up. And um, I just simply don't particularly believe that anymore. Like I just think there are many different ways to do comedy. Yeah. So come on to New York or However, don't. I what? hate to say this, but say like... It. There is a part of me that's like in the same way that even if you are truly like a post postmodern painter who just like licks a canvas or something, you still learn the basics in art school. There is a part of me, I know this is conservative, that <laughs> thinks everyone should learn the basics of joke writing before they do something more experimental. But but at the same time, I'm aware that that's like a slightly conservative part of me. And I don't think I'm correct. I just I unfortunately it's hard for me to not. You know, I've internalized that because I mean, I I have also internalized that. I feel, I mean, I think I did it sort of the opposite way where I started doing like really absurd, weird stuff and like just screaming and running around the stage. And then I was like, oh, if I want to get anywhere, I need to figure this, the real stuff out. So that has been my focus. And I look, I like sometimes I get jealous of the younger people who are just coming in and screaming and running around the stage because I'm like, that I used to do that and my weird was whittled away by the fucking. industry and stand-up showcases but now i'm like whatever Whatever. like i'm glad that i'm good at writing jokes and i'm looking forward to the day when i'm crazy again yeah so my answer is you should start stand-up it's a good time but don't let it make you crazy yeah next question and also don't like accept like just don't um I'm just, there are like many people that were like borderline abusive (laughs) when I was starting out. And it's just like, don't, and and again, um, it's obviously not in everyone's control when to accept or not accept (laughs) types of abuse. I'm not saying like, just say no and then leave. Like, of course, it's more complicated than that. But like, if you see someone being toxic, like, just don't, it's not worth your time. That's all. Okay. Next one. This is me. I think so. Okay. This is from Ted. I'm wondering, who was the first gay person each of you met, and what did you make, and what did it make you feel and realize about yourself? I'm also wondering, um, rapid sustained (laughs) friction or young adult fantasy fiction? Love that. Okay, wait, Um, just answer the straight shooter first. Oh, um, I'm going to go rapid sustained friction. friction. Same. (laughs) <laughs> and I just want to say there are many people that submitted straight shooters and I, I didn't star them this time, but I think at some point I'm going to go through and like find a bunch of user submitted ones and we can do them either at a live show or at a, at a, at an episode, a future episode. Yeah. Okay. So who was the first gay person you met and what did he or she or they make you feel and realize? This is a tough cue. I agree. Because I feel like, um, Okay, this is a, maybe a dramatic... Mm, I feel like the first, like, out gay people I met... And maybe I'm misremembering this, but it was, like... My parents were friends with a lesbian couple in... When I was in, like, freshman year of high school in Michigan. and Which was rare. Because mm-hmm. um, we were in, like, a small town in Michigan. Um, but I guess I remember thinking... I didn't get much out of them. I like, I was kind of like, <laughs> they were like very different than like 
Like they were like fancy and rich. Oh, they weren't and... Ellen and Portia. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think they were actually closer to Ellen and Portia. Right. They were very like wealthy, and so I didn't like. Got it. They were very distant to me. I felt, yes. but they were also they tried to be nice, mm-hmm. but they. I guess it, I mostly saw like how my parents and their friends interacted with them, and what that meant. Like I remember like my parents like almost being overly like trying to like not press any buttons and be like but then also kind of like like i remember like somebody making a gay joke at the dinner party and being like you know that she's a lesbian like shh like they're in the other room and i was like okay this is weird because even like well-meaning people that are friends with a lesbian couple are like sort of cracking these jokes like and uh, yeah but i but it's not, I mean, there was, homophobia was rampant at the time. It's not like homophobia was a surprise. It was just, uh, I guess I was surprised that it was like, <laughs> even adults who are friends with lesbians are making jokes like that. But sure. um, I wish I had a more fun, like, I don't remember like the first, I don't know. Do you have a good answer for this one? I actually just, it's, I I just like had an actual memory of the, of Again, who knows if it was the first... Because, like, I'm sure, like, I bet you there was a time when I was even younger that, like, the front desk person at a hotel was gay. You know, just, like, a random <laughs> totally, person totally. that I, like, I'm sure clocked and, and had some feeling about, but I can't necessarily remember that. I will say, I, I, I must have been... Oof, I, I, it must have been maybe the summer after my sophomore year of high school. Um, I was living in Greece, but I went to a like academic camp in um, Maryland. And uh, I distinctly remember there was one kid in the camp that was my age that was a guy who identified as bisexual and, and I found very attractive and like there was, I, who knows if it was real or imagined, but we were like very close friends. And in my mind, I was always like, I don't know. I remember like sitting at a table and maybe our knees touched by accident. And I was like, so taken with that and whatever else and um i think i did try to do a whole like i did like tell people i have a crush nothing nothing ended up happening and i don't know if it was even reciprocated but it was also like it was one of those things where i was not even ready to come out to anyone i had I had never before or after that for years, like, considered that, but it was just like, well, I have to act now. This is the only bi or gay person I will ever meet. Yeah. Um, there was this, there's this very, like, scarcity thing. Like, I remember, again, in Greece, I was taking driving lessons in this, like, small group setting. And, I mean, I should say, my parents are, ne- you know, very progressive people, but they simply just didn't have gay friends when I was growing up. Like, that was just not... There were no gay couples at, like, a dinner party or something. But, um, so I just, like, was not exposed to it, and then there was no one out in my high school in Greece. But I remember, like, taking these driving lessons, there was, like, truly, like, a 40-year-old gay guy that was, like, you know, um, I'm trying to think... The vibe was very, like, entourage of a mid-tier pop star. Like, he had, like... (laughs) bleach blonde hair and like was wearing kind of like weird ill-fitting clothes and like very you know h&m of 2007 type thing and i there was no part of me was attracted to him but i remember thinking like well this is my one option like i have to have sex with him and nothing happened thankfully because i was literally like 16 and he was 40 but like in my (laughs) mind i was like okay well how do i make this happen like this is my only option 
Yeah. And and to that, I definitely feel like I think a more accurate thing is like when I met like out people my own age, like in college, like meeting like when I was like my first week of college, truly mm-hmm. meeting like an RA who was like just out. And I was like, whoa, I did not know that was allowed. <laughs> and then I was also like, okay, well, then we should hook up. Like, we're going to hook up. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was like, obviously, no, you're not. Like, I mean, can I tell you something? That is something that I only fully got over not too many years ago. Like, the I mean, of course, now we're around gay people all the time. But, like, the idea that, like, oh, there's a gay person here, I guess I have to decide whether or not we have to hook up. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the scarcity thing is real. Yeah. Very weird. All right, let's move on. Okay, this is from our good friend Alex. Okay, and they say, "Is it okay to get my first tattoo after thirty, or should I be embarrassed for even considering it?" Ooh. Okay, I want to hear your answer to this. I say it is um, absolutely okay. I think the thirty barrier. You know, I'm guilty of uh, putting this. I made a lot of jokes about when I turned thirty, like when I was twenty six, and mm-hmm. I. I very much think they are so stupid now and i still think i mean you can comment on how like a lot of people make those jokes and i think those jokes can be funny but i think like the 30 barrier is like stupid and like i completely agree. <laughs> I, I just think like first of all i'm turning 30 in fully like three weeks and wow. i am very like i think also a lot of my friends are older so i've felt like i've been 30 for a long time and if anything i'm like finally i can stop being embarrassed to have a <laughs> two in front of my age um and uh and i and this is the corniest thing i will ever say but amy poehler said in some kind of interview oh he's quoting amy do you know what i'm gonna say no keep going. in some interview she said your 20s are about figuring out who you're not your 30s are about figuring out who you are and then in your 40s you're like well this is who i am like there's you're kind of like you become okay with it and it's like well how how much more exciting to be in the phase where you're figuring out who you are than in the phase where you figure out what you're not. Like, I think that sounds so nice. Yeah. I, it's also like that tattoo that you get after 30 is going to be relevant longer. I will say, I just want to say, you know, I, well, we won't say this person's last name, but they are a writer and I have in fact begun reading their work. And I'll say, they are very talented and have good taste, and I trust that the tattoo that they choose will be very chic and uh, cool and not embarrassing. I thought you were going to say delicious for some reason. <laughs> no. And I was like, that would be such a weird descriptor for you. so videos. weird. <laughs> um, right. Next cue. So this is... Okay, my question is more but for... But I can your... read this if it's... Because it's to you. Maybe I should read it. No, it's fine. Because we, we, we'll, then it'll make the order difficult. <laughs> It's for me, and it's someone... So this is Laura, and Laura is saying, my question is more for George than Sam, unless Sam has read the oeuvre of this particular author, but what are your takes on the writing of Jeffrey Eugenides? I guess it's in English pronounced Eugenides. Um, specifically, any thoughts on the marriage? Okay, I will say this. I have only read um, uh, Middlesex, and I really enjoyed it. And actually, there was a point at which everyone in my family read it, like, not exactly together, but like within like three months of one another. And it was actually really nice that everyone was reading the same book. And it felt like I was in a family wide book club. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I thought it was like very, very cool to have a queer Greek main character. Um, and then I've read when I was too young, I started the Virgin Suicides and like did not get it. And I have been meaning to revisit it as I get older. But I have not unfortunately read the marriage plot. Although now that I know that 
it is a Glamour Girl's favorite one, maybe it's time for me to give it a chance. And I want to say, um, Laura, you are lucky because I almost unstarred this one because I said, <laughs> ugh, ugh, books. Books. Oh my god, I cannot believe you almost unstarted. I almost unstarted and I said, where's the heart? Where's wow. the, the vulnerability within this question? Um, but, you know, I'm glad that... Yeah, I'm sure you're really glad <laughs> I got to answer that one. Next question. <laughs> okay, this is you. Uh, hi, babes, babettes, and babexes. This is from B. Um... I was hoping you could talk a bit about the process of finding a potential home for the pod. Okay, Ooh. this is a juicy question. When it first came out, I was really surprised it wasn't hosted on a particular canine-themed podcast network. No okay, shade, it just seems like it'd be there. Ring vibe. the Joan Didion alarm on that one. <laughs> um, have you been in talks with different networks about being adopted under their umbrella? How do you envision uh, balancing artistic integrity and queering the podcast form mm. with with the expectations, pressure, capitalist restrictions that come from different networks. Are there any hard lines in the sand you won't cross? Whew, where do we start? Well, um, okay. Well, yeah. So we we have thought of yes. It, it's it's an ongoing process. I'll say that. And like I, we we've got. Sorry. Go ahead. I think I have a good entry point. Okay. Like, okay. So when we started this podcast, we originally did intend to start it on a network. Yes. And then we were advised to just start it on our own. Mm-hmm. And then we could like pitch it with the, the, the episodes we have and, and sort of show people what the vibe would be, which then sort of ended up being not necessarily great advice, but you know, it, we mostly figured out, we did pitch to a couple of places like when we were like a year in, uh, and it, we sort of found out that like the business landscape, quote unquote, of podcasting is bizarre and like constantly shifting. And, you know, it is just like supremely numbers based and that that bar is always going up. And so uh, we like were disappointed, if I can be earnest, that like it didn't sell even in that time because we are very proud of it and we've like we're genuinely looking for like production support and stuff but like in the end we also have talked to other people and it seems like maybe it could be a blessing in disguise to uh have it as a solo project um, so yeah i yeah. mean the thing is we um <laughs> without mentioning too many details like yeah we are our numbers are sim are the same as other people who are on networks like it, no I, it just because i don't want it to seem like we're not not like she's not there yet we're not there right, yet like right, it's right, not right. exactly that it's that and many of the meetings we took actually like almost went somewhere and that like there was one place that would have been really good that we like um were in talks with and then last minute didn't work out I, it was it was a frustrating process that i'm sure was made more frustrating by the pandemic and frankly during the pandemic because so many actual like fully like celebrities have entered the podcasting world, it's just more difficult to be a smaller comedy podcast. Like the market, it just isn't the same as it was even one or two years ago. So I think it was, it was a question of timing, but I have to say, and I truly am not just saying this because I'm like, um, I don't know, trying to find a silver lining. I fully believe this. Like it is, most people we talk to who are on networks have some major deal-breaking complaint 
And I think even though going at it independently is difficult, I am actually pretty excited ultimately that we're doing it. And I'm happy also that we're taking the summer to kind of figure out the specifics and things like that. So, yeah, but it is just like to be like, because I don't want it to seem like it was like it is truly it keeps growing every week and every month. It is at a very good size. And it, in fact, is exactly the kind of podcast that like a year and a half ago would have sold pretty easily, which makes <laughs> things really difficult. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah, it is frustrating because of that. Um, but yeah, and I think that is a big part of, yeah, like you said, why this we're taking this break so that we can figure out um, more sustainable ways to like yeah. run it independently so that we're not panicking every Monday night. Hello, this is George, and this is that time thing. <laughs> we have now recorded. <laughs> we have now recorded part one, then part two, then the intro for part two, and we have now decided to record an outro for part one because it a little felt- behind the scenes peek. My my recording crashed due to me, in fact, deleting it as it was being recorded. Don't ask how that happened just know that i did do that on my like i fully dragged the file as it was being recorded into the trash and then emptied the trash so think about that and then think okay so what you're hearing right now is probably extremely jarring because you were just in the middle of a question essentially and now you're hearing us say we're doing our outro but that's what we're doing because that's what we're doing and there simply is another part and we just couldn't end this first part abruptly and then go to the second part we had to put in an outro and that, that's what we're doing so that's what we're doing and so part and i'm sorry okay <laughs> sorry we're not perfect and sorry it didn't happen organically and sorry i didn't not delete the file as it was being recorded as though you all haven't done that get them okay um, i'm really sorry i yelled at you guys it's okay i'm sure they're they'll forget i don't want to i am we're the the mood of the day is grateful i'll say that mm-hmm. i don't even want to be ironically rude to our listeners oh that's nice Thank you. Um, yeah. So essentially, um, this is weird of us to, we're coming in so hot. We were in sort of a groove of answering earnestness questions. And now we're doing an outro that's a wildly different tone. Wildly different tone. Um, wildly different. I Sam, I'm truly fading. Okay. <laughs> let's cut back to, okay. So um, anyway, um, thanks for listening to part one. Part two will come out, I think, in on Thursday. And um, we'll see you then. For our emotional conclusion. Okay, bye. bye.